It's the Wiener Walker Jr. Podcast. It's the Wiener Walker Jr. Podcast. Everybody else sucks, man. I am the best. It's the Wiener Walker Jr. Podcast. Hey, it's Wiener Walker Jr., the Pussy King, the Pop Country Killing Machine. Here in a Holiday Inn in a Frankfort, Kentucky. Played my hometown, Lexington, last night. Louisville tonight. I'm a little stopped up, but fuck it. Good show in my hometown. All those ladies who wanted to fuck me in high school came out to the show and did not get their wish. Or di- who wouldn't fuck me in high school. They wanted to fuck me. I wanted to fuck them in high school. Let me, let me get the story straight. I wanted to fuck them in high school. They wouldn't fuck me, and now they want to fuck me, but they can't. Because I'm the pussy king, and I get whatever the fuck I want. And, uh, anyway, man, I'll tell you one thing. Nashville don't want you to know about the crowds come out to my shows, man. It's fucking crazy. Crowds are nuts. The tour's kicking ass. Um, Oklahoma City. We got to sell some tickets to Oklahoma City. Um, oh, I forgot. The, forgot. Uh, we got a sponsor today. Today's episode of the Wheel Walker Jr. podcast is brought to you by Pussy. Eat it. Stick your dick in it. Watch pee come out of it. Pussy. It's good for everybody. So uh, thank you, Pussy, for the uh, money. Uh, it's a good sponsor to have. I mean, I don't see no... Uh, the serial podcast and got pussy as a sponsor, but they came. They came to me. They know where. They know where. They know where to put their ads. Uh, today's podcast is actually uh, one I thought was really fun. I've talked to the brothers Osborne, who've kind of blown up this past over the past year or so. And I don't want to get too serious, but I will say, um, besides being, you know, I really they're just great musicians. They can actually play their instruments, which is a you know uh, makes them a novelty act today in uh, country music. But they're they're just the best guys. I mean, I couldn't... Being friends with them is really cool for me. Um, as good as their music is and good as players they are, you know, they're better people. So, you know, I don't meet a lot of good people in the music business. I mean, they're on the artist side, but I, uh, you know, I s- they shot me a text after they won their uh, CMA award. You know, it meant a lot to me. It was cool. It's cool to have friends who do well, you know. If obviously, I've got some friends who are doing well. And I'm jealous, but, you know the fuck are you gonna do but you should listen to brothers osborne man i know they get played on the radio but there's nothing wrong with it if the music's good and uh i really dig these guys and m- motherfucker uh you know josh can play man did i say josh john there's a songwriter named josh osborne i was just looking at his instagram i was looking at my buddy shane's instagram there's a picture of josh anyway so uh i talked to tj and john osborne and uh like I said, I mean, John Osborne can play guitar like a motherfucker. And um, both are just the greatest guys. And, they, you know, it's good to see some music doing well. I mean, they got a their band, actually. I didn't mention on the podcast. I played a sh- show in Vegas a year ago. And their band, without rehearsal, just sat in and played, uh, backed me up at a show. And they didn't miss a fucking note. So if you want to go check them out and play, I don't know if they're touring. I think they were t- t- opening for Stapleton for a while. But if you want to check them out and see real band, you know. I'm talking about a band, you know, guitar, bass, drums, steel, background vocals, vocals, you, you know, and John shredding that guitar, um, you know, check him out. But anyway, this is my talk with the Brothers Osborne. I think they, um, I forgot to ask them this too. There's an old uh, bluegrass uh, duo, the Osborne Brothers, so that must be why they're the Brothers Osborne. But uh, uh, here's uh, my talk with the uh, Brothers Osborne. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. Everybody else sucks, man. I am the best. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast.
we just actually had a really good talk, and then now we're starting the podcast, so hopefully we can get it back to the place where we, we, <laughs> we were just bitching about a lot of shit before. Yeah, well, this, we can continue the bitch. Um, we, yeah, we can do it. We can do it on the podcast, but um, you guys, um, the what's the status of the new record? Oh, man, we... Um, uh, I don't want to say it's finished, but it's damn close. We're going back in in a couple weeks to uh, tidy up some mixes, but... I think it's pretty. I mean, I think it's pretty much done. Wouldn't you say that? Yeah, I think it's done. I mean, no record's done until you're finished with it. But I think, um, you know, I think this is definitely the most us-sounding record that we've made. Now, granted, we've only made two. This being the second. Well, yeah, and the EP, the EP, the early one. Yeah, the EP. Yeah, and that's out there. Um, but that EP didn't count as a record to Warner Brothers. So we'll just uh, Warner Chapel. Or yeah, Warner Chapel. So we'll we'll just say that it's uh, it's two at this point. Okay, because, um, yeah, I don't know if people know, how, no one would probably know how we met, which is, I was at the CMT Awards, and, um, which was a, f- a fucking night, and I just fucking hated it. I don't know about you guys, but I just remembered, because most of those award shows, I always, I always get pissed that they won't let me in, you know? And the CMT Awards, I don't know if you guys even know, the rule is you're, they have to let you in if you have a top 10 country record, and I've, my, my album went top 10. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to show them. I'm going to fucking show up. <laughs> I'm going to raise some fucking hell. And I showed up, and the fucking joke was on me, man. Like, I had to sit there for the worst fucking show of all time. Lights go down. Remember that? Open it. Lights come up. Fucking Pitbull. Yeah, it was that interesting. Was, that who was, who uh, did Pitbull? I still don't remember. Who did Pitbull play with? I can't remember. I can't remember. Uh, was it might have been um, a female. It was a female. It definitely wasn't a country artist. Yeah, it, was, it, uh, was, it was, yeah. Oh no, it was Cassidy Pope. Cassidy Pope but then someone then else, another like pop star. Pop, yeah, I, I'm not. Yeah, brunette. You know, pop is all the rage these days in country music. Yeah, I mean, I it was just it was just so crazy. It was like, here I am at a at a country music award show, and there's and and now I can say I've seen Pitbull live, <laughs> which is so fucking weird. I will say it was my first. I'm sure yeah. it was TJ's first as well. I just love that. Stapleton looked over at us and just kind of like just shrugged his shoulders, like and smiled. This is happening. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Can you believe we got him? Pitbulls here. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so I, what I was doing, I was to 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 help my boredom. I was just taking pictures of random people in the audience. Like I would see like some random dude, some old guy. I just put, look, Conway Twitty's here. Yeah. Because no stars, I would actually see. So I was just finding random people and putting stars' names. And then I took a picture of a woman, and I put, hey, it's Loretta Lynn. Yeah, and it was and our it, mother. It was your mom. <laughs> and and that, people were blowing our phones up. We were sitting there, you know, and uh, you don't want to check your phone during the show. You don't want to be caught on camera doing such a thing. But as soon as it went to commercial break, we looked at our phone, and it was blowing up. We are getting text messages and screenshots, and we are like, what the hell is this? And uh, and we just happened to be sitting directly <laughs> in front of you. And we totally... I, we thought it was hysterical. Like yeah, we, yeah, we got we got the joke, and our somehow, mom loved it. Somehow, even she got the joke, which was surprising. Which is weird because it's not really a joke. There's nothing <laughs> funny about it. It's not like, you know, it's just like, I don't know what Loretta Lynn looks like, which I do, but I just like, I wanted yeah. my followers to think I'd lost like you I'd, lost your damn I'd mind. I lost my mind. Like I thought that was actually Loretta yeah. Lynn. Um, but yeah, that happened, and then I never told you guys this, but I was like, and we hung out a little bit at that show or talked, and I was like. Fuck! Now I gotta listen to the record, and now I gotta pretend like I like it. And I went, and the, I was out, was out on tour, and I listened to it. and I was like, I really dig this. That's cool because they're cool guys. Like, oh, thanks, man. I was like, what are the chances? There's like three good, you know, country albums out there right now, <laughs> and I happened to befriend one of the guys. And I also met John Party that yeah, night too. So got, was, you've got two of them. 
Yeah. And I listened to that party record and your record on the on the my tour and the yeah, party record's great. In the in that van, I was like, maybe I'm maybe I'm talking too much shit. Maybe it's all like maybe is it all this good? And the, I remember the guys in my band were just like, no, no, you just got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, you know, I remember seeing your um, seeing your record, just the artwork, and I was like, who in the fuck is this guy and i was so intrigued you know it was just the cockiness and and also the font and, and the way it looked i was like this is incredible i'm like kind of like you know confused and inspired i didn't even know what the hell i was feeling and then i listened to it and it kicked off and i was like this shit is like legit country music this sounds amazing and the first song um that i i had personally listened to was fuck you bitch and i was like all right this dude's got a country voice and I was like, I'm not sure where the song is going. And that chorus hit. I was like, this fucking guy is my my new hero. And okay. not only that, the music, the, you know, I, it's it's one thing to put out, you know, derogatory songs or try to be funny or whatever you're trying to do your thing. But man, the record actually sounds incredible. And yeah. I think that's what people love more than anything because you hear it and you're like, damn, I'm hearing a, a country record. By the way, we start by saying this is the best podcast I've ever done. Uh, <laughs> I love the. The ones about talking about how fucking awesome I am, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think you know Cobb and his his the players on that is what obviously elevated it too. I mean, because I was listening to playback of "Fuck You Bitch" and I'm like, guys, this, we got a hit. A hit. Go, we got to do you know we got to do a version of "Fuck You," you know, Bill or you know something because to get on the radio. Yeah, love you, Bill. Yeah, or <laughs> miss you, girl, or whatever it is. And I'm like, and that's when it kind of hit me because I I tuned out a country radio probably literally late 90s so i didn't know how poppy had gotten so yeah. to me that was a country hit i go we gotta do a clean version then they all looked at me and they go you heard country radio recently i go, <laughs> I, go I go no and i went home that night and i almost fucking had a a, a nervous breakdown listening mm. to i mean it was it was it was what what do i describe it as milli vanilli with a twang is really what it is mm. most of this shit um and i was just shocked it was just really shitty Really, it wasn't even good, because I like good pop, but this wasn't even good pop. It was just... Yeah, I totally agree with that. It was just, you know, um, you know, like, kind of 90s well, shitty pop. Well, that's it stands out, you know? That's kind of the thing. I mean, on one hand, you're like, God, it's really frustrating the state that the music's in, just in general, in so many angles. But at the same time, it leaves a big, uh, you know, puts a spotlight on those who decide to do something a little different. Uh, honestly, if your record sounded, you know, maybe what, like a, 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 what you would want to call a current country record i don't think it would have been as impactful um but, you know because i think this the so sonically it drew people in so it's like if you kind of like don't listen to the words for a second which is hard not to but when you're not listening to the words you're actually hearing a very pleasant sounding country record and it sounds fresh but really it's just a t your tip in your hat to the old cats you know like this is a very traditional sounding thing but in this climate it might as well sound like music we've never heard before yeah i mean i think um i appreciate that but also i it i'd love, love to say it was like on purpose but i honestly had to me i made you know people like say they want to make a record as if like pop country or new shit hadn't existed i really was doing that because i hadn't heard it you know right i they were they were mentioning you know like when I made that record, not a joke. I hadn't, I didn't, I'd never heard the words "Florida Georgia Line." Like, right. I don't think we called it that when we drove over the border. You know, right. I, I'm trying to think, who else was kind of big when I made that first record? Probably Sam. Like, I didn't know who Sam Hunt was. I didn't know any of those people were. 
And then I had to research them all to make fun of them, you know. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I dug. I dug your, and it was kind of, I always get a little bit of a shock when I hear good shit that gets played on. Because you had a couple radio hits, right? We had one, uh, Stay a Little Longer, uh, that did that did well on radio. and But a lot of our songs, you Didn't know. did 21 we'll, Summer do That one? went to 21, yeah, surprisingly. Ironically, yeah, it went to 21. And right now we have an, you know, an, a fallout, and we've and it's been a success for us. And it's you know, I would say it's been a success all around, but it hasn't been a, a huge hit by like the standard. But of what just getting played on the radio, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's getting, we're getting a lot of airplay, and it's honestly – you know the fans; they don't know what the hell if it went number one or went to twenty. They, you know if they know it. Yeah, I heard so a they, music industry dude around town was t- was all bummed that one of his artists' songs, you know, got to number two and not number one. I'm like, who the fuck gives this shit? Yeah, I literally, mean, the only difference is you, the banner, just for people to. Brag yeah, he wants. Yeah. You could tell the way he was saying it was he wanted a um, a plaque on his wall on his wall saying number one. It's like They're just not, just make one that says number. Flattering. They take your head and they blow it up really huge. Our heads are already and gigantic. Already we don't need it. Our huge. head does not need to be any bigger. Yeah. But, all, but <laughs> first of all, just make a fucking plaque that says number two, or you can just they don't check it. Just make a plaque that says number one. No one's gonna. I, I thought because when when uh stay a little longer it went number one on one of the charts, you know, and then but I was like if this song goes number two, we should have a number. A ba- like a massive number two party where there's like a bunch of shit everywhere and <laughs> yeah. toilet paper all over the place <laughs> a, bu- a bunch of like trophies bunch of, with plungers on them yeah. but just a bunch of toilets but like no go- like people you would actually watch each other's shit yeah exactly <laughs> number two party I would go to that um, yeah I gotta get a number two album for my third one <laughs> number so I, two. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that idea have a big shit party yeah <laughs> but, uh, but man at the end of the day you know you look at some of these artists and you know, everyone wants to quantify what makes music great, you know, so we, we create some sort of metric to determine that. But really, at the end of the day, is it, does that make you feel good? You know, you show up to shows because you love it. That's all that fucking matters, man. I mean, you know, there are more cases than we can count of songs that never crack top 10 that you will remember for the rest of your life. And there are a plethora of songs that went number one that you couldn't you'll you couldn't even remember sometimes songs go number one i'm like i don't know if i've even heard that yet and it's it's just a different it's just different game man it's like what we do as songwriters and and creators versus the radio game we want to marry them but they're they're not really similar they kind of live in different worlds some of the biggest bands of all time it almost seems as though a lot of times the bands that don't have a ton of radio success are the ones that stay around the the longest you know we were had a conversation the other day about what i mean even tom petty uh, recently, and and how a lot of his biggest records at first, no one gave a shit about. The Almond Brothers. Yeah, who knows? I mean, does, uh, how many number know, ones does Tom Petty has? Who the yeah, fuck knows? Yeah. Or the Almond Brothers, or you know, or even someone who's just like you know, you take someone like Jimmy Buffett's never uh, until he joined that, um, did that album or that that song with Alan Jackson. He had never had a even a top ten. It was so it's crazy. We just went through the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And they were talking about all these iconic artists that you think that were the biggest artists in history, and their accolades on radio weren't that you know that great. They would t- they would brag about having like a top twenty song. You're talking well, about some of the yeah. I mean, especially in, nowadays with with Spotify, YouTube, whatever. Ser- you know, serious. You don't really. There's other ways to hear music. I mean, when I was like a kid in Kentucky, it's like I guess it meant it's like I understand why the radio is because all we had it's the only way I could hear about exactly. shit. You know. Or MTV, I guess. And it's know. nice. I mean, I can tell you, I mean, it's awesome to have support in any way. But I think kind of the problem you have in country music is that they've become so narrow, like, 
tunnel vision with right, trying to get songs on radio that they've forgotten to be original and be themselves. And honestly, and then in the process, we kind of forgotten what the hell people want to actually listen to. Exactly. Well, I had Shane McAnally in here, which you guys have done. Yeah, a lot fused, of them. Yeah. Fused stuff with. And I was kind of, you know, what's the difference between the songs of yours that have gone number one and the ones that have, he's like, he doesn't know. He's like, some of my number ones are my worst songs. And some of them, yeah, the, my best songs haven't even fucking charted, you know. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, again, like you say, you, you try to quantify it. And I would say the worst people at doing that are creative people because we we see the world a little bit differently. We hear songs differently. We we, we hear lyrics. We're hit by lyrics in a different way, you know. Um, so but we just, yeah, you're right, man. I don't know. I mean, there's things that I think I thought for us would be a shoe-in, and none of our songs have been that, really. The, everyone has been a struggle. Stay a little longer. did go number one, but it took nearly a year to do it. Our current song, you know, it ain't my fault. That's out right now. Um, like a couple weeks in, man, it was picking up steam fast. And we're like, finally, damn, we got one. That's not going to be so much fucking work. And then two months later, it just kind of it hit molasses and stop stop moving. We're like, well, here we go. And again, like we don't mind putting the work in, and we appreciate every bit of support that we have. When, from when you say fans, like, but, you know, it took a lot of work to to get number one. Like, what do you mean? Like going to radio stations? Uh, I guess from our label and and going to radio stations and you know and see and, that's the shit they don't tell you about when you're a young musician, like the politics and like doing a radio tour and you know, all that shit. Yeah. See, and all that stuff for us isn't that hard, you know? I mean, the radio tour, the initial radio tour is really hard. If you're an artist and you're listening to this, there's a thing called um, radio tour and it's uh, it's basically a boot camp for eight-ish weeks. By the way, this is John Osborne talking to TJ. Yeah, not TJ. We have a very similar speaking yeah, voices. About TJ and John Osborne from the brothers osborne so go on yeah and uh and and man so and it kicks your ass it's a, it's a lot of work a lot of travel and everyone i feel like ends up getting sick because you're not sleeping well and yeah, i just talked to ashley mcbride who's doing it yeah she's doing uh, it right now and doing i guess for her an, an, a record that's not come out yet yeah she's she's just introducing herself to radio and it's a way for them to get to know you as a as a new artist and you you garner a lot of like support and and relationships by doing it, um, but it's just physically I would say hard because literally you're not sleeping well. You're, you're playing get, tons of free shows. You're playing at like in pizza parlors. You're playing at like. Do you, do you think like the newness and maybe the excitement gets you through it? It's just like oh, a little cool. bit. Yeah, this is like bit, but also we're about like to be huge. The at the end of the tunnel, but you, you know you get signed. You think you're about to be the next big thing, and next thing you play gigs that you would never play otherwise. You're like God, I would never want to play here. But, you know, it's kind of like this boot camp, and when you're done doing it, you can play anywhere. I mean, you can literally get through anything. And sometimes people are showing up, you know, just for the free pizza. You know, they're not even – they don't even give a shit about what you're playing or singing. And so it's really, it's really, really challenging. But, you know, I will say it's like there's a, this thing in, in music where it is kind of like this back and forth between radio and everyone points finger at them and hates them and – uh, but I mean, I think for the most part, I honestly was really surprised when we did this radio tour and got to meet them. Um, and I'm not saying this to be like, you know, politically correct, but you know, I, I really feel like genuinely, I, I was really surprised at how aware they were of everything. I mean, they were really smart people that we got along with them really well. I have a lot of great relationships with country radio, even though we've, uh, you know, we've, we've had, had troubles. There's a lot of people out there that support us and love us, but ultimately it just really comes down. I think, so I think country music fans don't realize that sometimes the power they have to change what's on radio i think they just kind of like oh shit this sucks and change the channel but um you know there's 
really all, most of the stations, all they're playing are what people are requesting or what people, what's testing. Yeah, I mean, most of it, like, even the big DJs, I don't think, can choose their own. They couldn't just be like, you know what, it's Waylon Day. I'm just going to play Waylon exactly. all day, you know. But, yeah. you know, the small radio stations can, and I think, you know, a lot of artists kind of ignore them because, you know, these secondary market stations don't change the, the chart position. And so everyone's so focused on just getting their song up the chart that they ignore a lot of these small town stations. Yeah, and those well, are the ones that are playing yeah. new music and playing cool shit. Uh, out there and still keeping it keeping it fresh and real. Well, I don't even know about that because it costs. SEC will fine you what two hundred grand if you play one of my songs. So <laughs> they like me, but they don't like you me. Know, is it literally two hundred grand? I think it's something. Someone, it's gone back and forth. Either I know for a fact that whatever it is, they ain't paying it because they ain't you know. We should just uh, you know create like a GoFundMe just so we can get one of your songs played one time. That's actually not a bad idea because I was thinking too like because I I one of my sales points I'll be is like look. It'll cost you a hundred k. You'll be fine a hundred k to m- play my record, but you'll be, you'll make millions when you become the biggest radio station in the world <laughs> yeah. just by doing it. It's like reverse payola. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's payola, but they they they're the ones who pay. Yeah, exactly. They're paying the government. Yeah, they're paying the government to to help my career. Exactly. It's a win win for everyone somehow. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like the DJ's got to do it. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it is an interesting thing, man. It is an interesting thing. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, I think what separates, you know, artists from people who just want to be famous is their, is how willing are you to change your art, right? And I, I'm sure there are varying degrees of that, but at the end of the day, it's like... Yeah, because when I heard your guys' record, it didn't, I mean... And I mean, I, to me, this is in a positive way. It's like, it didn't sound like country music because... Now country music sounds different than country music. It sounds right. just like if dudes fucking playing and the, like I loved like the the there's a lot of groove in it too that yeah. I thought was really fucking cool. It's um, just music that feels good to us. You yeah, know? I mean there was I didn't seem like oh this we this needs to get on the radio here. It just it did yeah. seemed uh, seemed authentic. It's uh, just the mu- it seemed like the album you wanted to make. I assume it was. Yeah, that's that's all it is, you know. And our next album is is like that, you know. Again, we're not going into it with like let's record an album that's gonna be hard to play on radio. We're just doing what comes naturally. We're not thinking about it. Thinking is the worst thing you can do when you're trying to be a songwriter or anything that involves art. Your 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 brain is your own worst enemy and. Um, you just want to go in there and trust your instincts, trust your heart. And we just went in the studio for two weeks down in Florida. We got out of Nashville just so we weren't distracted by anything here at home. And, um, we set up in our producer's beach house for two weeks and we drank beer and smoked pot and, and ate pizza and hot dogs and just jammed. That's all we did. We jammed. So the album's just barfing and farting. Pretty much barfing and farting the whole time. That's the only thing we edited out. Yeah. If you you got those edits, I'll take that. (laughs) Yeah. It'll it'll come out in the box set. I'll tell you what, at this point, if I just, if there was a a new country song that was just a bunch of barfing and farting, I'd vote that up the chart. That should be a hidden track on your next it, record. It's, it's, it'd be better than anything I've <laughs> So, to go back, which I've never even asked you guys, but I know you're from Maryland. Where yeah, Maryland? yeah. We're from Southern Maryland. Um, there is a difference. It sounds like some sort of, like, I don't know, title that we need We need to go from Southern Maryland. But when you go to Maryland, there is a huge difference. We're, it's an hour south of Baltimore. And a lot of the people that we grew up with, you know, uh, no one really ever went to Baltimore if you didn't have to. Maybe we're going to see a Ravens game or an Orioles game or something like that. Or you would go to D.C. Yeah. Or if you wanted to get shot, if you're kind of into that sort of thing, you go to Baltimore. But it's um, it's just right on the water, very rural part of Maryland. 
So there, was there a lot of country th- there growing up? Big time. I mean, that's everyone. It was the stereotype that we that of country music. You know, like everyone drove trucks. We drove trucks. Um, everyone drank shitloads of beer all the time on the weekends and listened to country music. Uh-huh. Hunt and fish. Hunt and fish. This is a very blue collar town. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what I. Cause growing up in Kentucky, I I remember when I like a teenager, we went on a we, a backpacking tour through Europe just to like see see the world. Which that's kind of when I realized I liked America because I didn't really dig it over there. And we visited a bu- a buddy of a buddy who was in Oxford. Which is, to me was like you know that most highfalutin place you could go to. Yeah. And we, the second we get to Oxford, there's a dude on the side of the road. I was like, everyone here's gonna be wearing suits and those like white wigs and shit. <laughs> we, we get into Oxford. There's a guy. There's some dude on the side of the road. He's got a, a, a bucket full of rocks and he's just throwing them at cars. <laughs> and my other buddy from Kentucky just looks at me. He goes, "See, buddy, there's rednecks everywhere." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like even in Oxford, England, you know, there's a fucking redneck. It's there. so true, man. You know, we went up to to uh, Canada with Eric Church, and um, there are some serious rednecks up there, dude. We saw like this guy in this jacked up Ford F one fifty. Um, I mean, it was this thing was jacked way the way the fuck up, and um, he had. Um, a, a, a rebel flag, a Confederate flag on the a giant Confederate flag. I'm and like Canadian. He's like Canadian. I'm like, you realize there's nothing to do with you, right? But to them, it's more of a cultural thing. You know, it's that side of it. I guess, yeah, some rebellious. Or maybe, thing. maybe when the South lost, he moved. He's like, fuck it, I'm moving. I'm going to Canada. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they gotta, they gotta figure out. I don't want to get political, of course, but you know, it's like, I get, you know, like the. Old, um, I'm playing with Kid Rock this weekend. Who I think he, maybe he stopped and he used to like wave the rebel flag. I'm like, dude, you're from Detroit. Detroit. But he he said he he said it was like a tribute to Skinner. I'm like, just wave a Skinner record. Well, that's you know, kind of <laughs> weird. I think kind of in country music, it's like you know, I mean, I'm sure there's some people that wave it because they're they are racist and fuck them. But there are uh, there are also a lot of people that wave it because it's just it, there's a rebelliousness around it, and I don't think people really are getting thinking too deep into. Yeah, most of the people I know who growing up who had that it was, it was not a political. They just ignorant, ignorant. It's like, yeah. it like we. I made a a record. I had a band in high school, and we just made a cover. It was just it, we were called Possum Stew because we knew a dude who would boil possums and put Damn. them into a stew. So that's not it, it, yeah, <laughs> it's not country at all. That's just that's just poor. Yeah, it was, it was the, the, the album cover which we drew was a was a possum going into a pot. Right behind it was a rebel flag. It wasn't like we were doing it to be. We we just seen it on other fucking album covers. Right. We thought, yeah. We thought that that's what an album cover was supposed to look like. You know. Right. Yeah. There definitely is an element of that. You know, where it's cultural. I mean, I grew up. We both grew up listening to Skinner. I mean, everyone grew up listening to Skinner. You know, and there's rebel flags all over it. And then you know, you don't kind of. But you don't think twice about it, you know. It's yeah, just, I mean those guys. I mean, I I think if you were if they were still around, they would probably have different thoughts about it now. But at the time, it was, I don't. I think it was, at the time, it was a big deal to have a band from the south, even on the radio or out touring. You know, it was like right. Not L.A. or New York was probably a big fucking deal. An interesting thing is like we get shit on sometimes. You know, everyone's like, you know. Fuck you, you Yankee queers trying to change this country music to be whatever. And I'm like, okay, first off, hang on. We're actually playing our instruments here. There's not a lot of that going on right now. And we're trying really hard to put something that's organic and raw in country music. 
First and of all, also, we're queers, but we ain't Yankees. Yeah, <laughs> but we ain't Yankees, and that's the thing. We're actually south of the Mason Dixon at Mason Dixon line. That's where we're from. And also, it doesn't fucking matter. And it doesn't matter. We're like, I didn't even know this was still a thing. Right? We just redneck places I've ever been was upstate New York. And yeah. Like, come on, get the fuck. Oh yeah, here. I mean, I'm sure. Uh, I'm trying to think of something. It's not, you know, there's plenty of country artists who are, you know, it's like. So what you know, the fuck does that have to do with what? Don't you think it's funny? Like, and I'm sure, I know you, it's just, if you're of any sort of, like, fame or success, you just get shit talkers. But isn't it fucking funny how, like, you, so many people will talk shit on social media? And you know they would never in a million years Ever. say it to your face. I mean, particularly me and John, we're two six four dudes that, you know, we're peacemakers, but we will go there if we have to. And, you know, they would never come up to you and out of the blue and be a fucking asshole like that. You well, that's where you got. That's where our, our fans differ. My fans come up and say it to my face. Well, I guess it is. But they're. But, but, but I think they're doing it out of out of out of like yeah. kind of out of love. Out of right. love, they like they they're like they're they're taking part in the celebration of what you do, yeah. right? They're like, "Fuck you, you suck." Can I have an autograph? Kind yeah, of yeah, exactly. They love it, and it's it's so much fun, you know. Like everyone, it brings people a lot a lot of joy to be able to do that and say that, and it's just kind of. Like partake, but in yeah, just the, shit the talk. just the just the sh- the social media. At the end of the day, I just I wonder if it's just more harmful. And I mean, you know, my life. I will say, my, I think my life was much happier without it. You know, I have I have it's to totally I have to everyone. agree. You know, I I worry the most about you know the thing is you know how we are. We have to stay engaged, especially this day and age. You got to go on there and comment. You got to kind of like you know get in touch with your fan base. It's it is important, but you can't help but come across someone that just immediately talks shit directly to you and everyone's like ignore it but i'm like but if this guy came up to me on the street instead i'd punch him in his fucking mouth so i can't ignore it so i have to talk talk shit back and the reason this guy's doing that is because no one's ever called him out on it you know and it's bullshit and also he but 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 calling him out is like he's fucking loving it it's like he's yeah, getting some he attention the attention of someone yeah. that like if you, you told know. me as a kid like if i just think i think about back when i was a kid like if you told me I, there was a machine called twitter that i could tweet at axel and there was a chance, oh, yeah. like even a one percent chance he'd yell back at me. I'd be, I would never stop tweeting him. You know. Exactly, that's very true. Yeah, that's, that's really what a lot of point. people are doing. Just hey man, new, use your illusions. Should be one album. Don't fucking split it up <laughs> and make me pay forty bucks for two of them. And if he one day said fuck you, I told him I, I would have exactly. been like, I would or like been, someone who's bitching at you and they have like whatever, fucking like seventy five followers, and we're tweeting back at him and we have thousands. It's like we're just. You know, directed. Yeah, I mean, you people, get, uh, people want that. And a lot of people just don't you know, try to, you know, like some dude the other day was, you know, your fucking show sucked and afterwards you barricade yourself in your dressing room and wouldn't sign shit. I mean, I remember the gig. I was out, I signed for fucking an hour. Right. So it's just me, people making shit up just right. to get a rise out or of it. Or there's two, I mean, another thing too, it's like you'll, people will just, they want more and more. It's never enough. You know, it's like you go out there and you'll meet them and you sign their autographs and then they're like, well, can you give me this and i want this and can you call my friend and tell him hi it's just like jesus christ i have a fucking life you know like i really appreciate you as a fan but there's a line here where i and i and a lot of times it's like there's also other people here that i would like to say hi to yeah that's what we we had a big incident at a show recently which is uh, there's a line to buy shit and i'm anything you uh, my rule is because i don't like to sign you know like any like a a hillary hat or like a trump nothing political i just don't like sign that shit but I'll, i'll sign anything you buy so there's a line to buy shit, and some dude waiting in line. He gets to the front. He's like, the person who's working merch. Like, what do you want? He's like, I don't want anything. I just want to meet you. And uh, the merch guy goes, you know, you got to buy something to get it, to get it signed. And he fucking got real pissed. He takes twenty bucks out of his pocket and he just throws it at me. It's like, here's your fucking 
it wasn't i'm I was like I, I was like the point is not that i'm charging you for an autograph it's just there's a line of people who want to buy t-shirts and shit like right it wasn't like you know like i'm doing it to because i think my autograph's worth 20 fucking bucks and he fucking throws 20 bucks at me and i was like and he starts screaming at me and i felt so and he's like man it's all about the fucking money for you it's I was like dude it just it's a line it's a, it's it's like t- telling Kmart, a Kmart employee, like it's all about the money. It's just a line, it's a <laughs> line to people. purchase shit. And then the fucking the security, it was, I felt so bad for the dude. Security just fucking grabbed him by the neck and just t- took him out of the place. Did you get twenty bucks back? No. Because <laughs> I thought it was a, because I was like, who would throw it? Because in my head it was a one. Some people I just figure if it was a one, a bitch. I mean, even when back in the day when we worked in like Home Depot and all of that shit, you know, just your regular day jobs to, to trying to get here. It's like, man, people will just, some people are just fucking assholes. You know, they just come in and treat you like shit. You're like, dude, I don't give a fuck if you buy this AC or not. I'm making like eight fifty an hour. Like, come on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of the same thing in music. It's not like, um, but my whatever $20 shirt, it's not like I make 19 bucks of it, you know? Right. I'm probably making, you know, minimum wage. <laughs> as it is probably a little bit more than minimum wage more than but minimum wage but the point wage. is you not, only have so much time not to as much around. more than minimum, some people minimum wage than I was hoping all of it. when they don't get it they act like fucking babies you said earlier you were you're rocking around in a van for a while that's like you know it's when you're in a van it's you know all you want to do is you know man let's get out of this thing and get to a bus and I you know in my life I've spent more time in a van than I have in a bus so far and I look back on it, man. It's like those were some of the best days of my life. Yeah. Just riding around in a fucking van. It was amazing. Yeah, we're in the Sprinter van now because I remember hanging out in your guys' bus. And I mean, I guess everything is a there's a ups and downs. I mean, I remember being in your bus, just like fuck, I want this so bad. But then it kind of hit me later, and we kind of talked about it too. It's like, oh yeah, they're paying for it. like I can a ha- lot of money. You know, I can too. have the bus, but I'd exactly. be I'd be broke. You know. Yeah, I think about that all the time, and honestly, for. John and I, we've always stayed really, really small for a really, really long time. I mean, there was people that were, we've gone to shows where there were people opening for us, and they were showing up in a bus, and we were in a 12-passenger van. And, you know, to me, it's like, yeah, I mean, if you want to pay for that luxury, eventually, you know, you can. But, I mean, literally, sometimes it's like the point, the point to the point of, like, making money or not. I mean, they cost an insane amount of money. It's really, really crazy. And I, and I think you should only get it out of, out of necessity, necessity, not out of. Well, yeah, I mean, that's because we're doing some big shows on the West Coast end of the year, and they were talking about getting a bus. I'm like, no, these are the first shows we're going to get paid on. Let's let's take a fucking Honda, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And Plus, it's fun. You get to see all the fucking miles yourself. I mean, yeah. God, I mean, there are times. I remember we actually, one of the first shows we played with Eric Church down in Chattanooga, we didn't even rent, spend the money to rent a 12-passenger van. We took two cars, like one of the, I think, yeah. bass player's car and, John's car and we just packed up our shit and drove our own. Yeah, because a couple of the first shows I did was um, uh, David Allen Coe asked me to open up two shows. Obviously, good fit, and I didn't have enough to pay the band for both shows, so I'll go. I'll just do the first show acoustic, and you can't open up with your acoustic guitar for David Allen. Like, <laughs> not one person heard one of my. Exactly. I mean, they they're lost. The they're I mean, lost. They missed the fucking biggest hits in the world you know. <laughs> true good point Acoustic. Until you become a headliner you know you're not making shit i mean you go out there and just do some of these opening dates making like 500 bucks and it's like you're i was gonna say everyone on stage is making money and you're losing shitloads to go out there and make vans so that's the thing someone to throw money at you and be like this is about the money to you you're like you know I'll, you yeah and it's qu- we were talking about before about like pay- paying band members like i'm paying band members you know it's not a ton of money but i remember just like Fuck! I wish I was getting paid that much for this show. Yeah, you know? 
It is. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, this, it is a struggle early on. I mean, it's, it's kind of a struggle the whole time, but it's fun and shit. It is. It, it? It's, it's so gr- much it's fun. Great, and the sh- if, if it's a great show, it can the whole if the whole next day is miserable and like, you know, my example of a miserable day is like you you find like the closest Starbucks is the one in the mall that doesn't right. even have the fucking muffins and shit. You know, right. <laughs> also and too, it's just like I know we just like touched on some of the people that show up that are dicks, but. There's a lot of people that show up that are cool as shit. Like, there's people that have seen us. I mean, I countless times, like over, you know, 40, 50, 60 times, and they're, and they're really, really, really great people. And that's, you know, to me, that's like worth more than anything. Yeah, the dude who, you know, a guy who drove literally 24 hours because his wife just dumped him and he wanted to hear me sing "Fuck You, Bitch." That makes up for the 20 dicks, you know. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I hope that guy's doing okay because he didn't look good that night. <laughs> but it, it is. It's amazing, man. It's like, you know, for, for as tough as it can be sometimes, we, we get to do what we love. And I think we should, no matter what happens, we should be forever grateful for that. You know, that's and a gift that we're allowed that, to it's like, have. I listen to that song because I think it's funny. But it actually, even all jokes aside, I mean, that, that is a good great, song. that's a great breakup song. Yeah, and it really helped you get over some shit. Yeah. I remember when we jammed it uh, in L.A. that one time when you came and sat in and I, I don't think many people had actually heard it. I'm sure a few had at that point. But um, as soon as you broke in that chorus, it was like immediate. Everyone was like, all right, I'm in on this song. And the it, second chorus came around, and there wasn't one person in the entire fucking room that was not singing yeah, the I chorus. I had fun jamming with you. The one thing, it, it was a reminder to me that we're, even though we're friends and we get along, that we are in, in two different worlds kind of just because, yeah. you know, because I'm used to coming on stage singing, fuck you, bitch, whole audience sings along. Oh, that's my tune. You know that that audience is just they don't know the fuck it's just you know if you're watching because you guys are now on award shows and tv and all that shit it's just not i kind of mean i like i feel like john and i had to learn that when we would go out and tour with other bands you know sometimes we'd walk off stage really frustrated that the crowd wasn't like singing or they weren't didn't seem like they were like getting down but really that's actually like we kind of realized that's the best crowd to play for sometimes because they don't they there were people that didn't know who we were and that was the point of us going and playing is to, to show them what we were about and and then um, it makes it then you're the underdog try to kick kick some ass like I, I we did two festivals this past summer which was really cool of them to uh, we went, did like the midnight we went on a whip at midnight so it was like kind of mainstream country fans who want to keep drinking go watch wheel walker jr and the first one was kind of shit was shitty and they were kind of like just leaving they were pa- you know it's like it was they're passing out and then it's like you learn i'm sure you guys did it too openings like i'd never it was the first time i would played for not every other show i'd done was people there to see me and this was people you know there for the festival and it's like by the second we did another one a few weeks later the same thing we did at midnight and it's like you learn how f- i changed the set list you know yeah you just gotta all, change it, all yeah. fucking rockers and make it shorter you know just figuring out how to how to kill it with an audience of people who aren't ready for it you know right it's a good learning experience i felt like. it's tough for like artists you know we're, we're kind of getting out of out of this tier but early on it's like you, a lot of artists fall in the trap of doing nothing but covers and then they'll play their one or two songs that people might know and it might work short term you know it might work where the crowd's singing along and it's fun but people don't leave there going, man, that guy's songs were great. They yeah, leave there thinking, they don't know who you are. They yeah, don't know who ha- your songs We've are. had some openers, too, who were like, and I'm, I was so confused. They did like half o- like half covers, and I was just like, I didn't even say it to them, but I was just like, in my head, I was like. You're supposed to be problematic. I, I was just, I'm just like, 
of all the gigs, open up for fucking Wheeler. You can do whatever the fuck. You, just play it. Your fucking. Yeah, your music. You're you're on. Well, that's the thing. I always say too. Like, shit, I don't need to. You don't need me to come all the way out here to play something that just a local bar band could do coming out here. Like yeah, and but uh, but uh, then I asked around. Apparently, a lot of a lot of new artists. That's what they do. Is they a do lot of them do because they want the crowd. It's like. You know, to me, it's especially if you're walking in front of someone else's crowd, you're like, well, shit, I can walk up here for a thousand people and play Dust on the Bottle and everyone will sing along and it'll be fun. Or what we've done is I can walk in front of a thousand people, play my song, have like 800 people not really be into it, but 200 people be my fans that would then come to my next show. You know, and even even if it's fucking 10, it's still better than 10, exactly. get, yeah. getting 990 ACDC fans, you know. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, uh, really quick though. So, what was the the move you guys? Well, first of all, did you guys did you guys play music together growing up? Yeah, we did. We had a a, a project with our dad. A project. I don't know if we would call it a project, but it was like a family I band. Was, yeah. A project. It's all a project at the end of the day. Um, and we uh, it was called Deuce and a Quarter. It was, it's named after an old Buick Electra, which actually TJ owns a Buick Electra two twenty five, and. Um, and we did everything for our mom and dad wrote songs, so we would do a lot of originals um, there as well. But we would do covers, and our parents came down to Nashville quite a few times before we moved here. So they went down on Broadway, and um, they would see that these bands would play for four hours straight. So they come back to Maryland, and we're like, we got to do four hours straight gigs. And we're like, God damn, okay. And we're like, you know, sixteen years old, fifteen years old. And then we're like, so we play for about two hours, and then our dad puts his guitar down and makes us keep playing. He goes out and starts drinking beer. I'm like, no, you said we're going to play for four hours. And it's like, I think there are child labor laws against this. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we learned how to cut our teeth, man. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Brothers Osborne. Check them out. They're my kids. This this counts as my time, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said, we're still getting paid the same. Exactly. This is bullshit. We're splitting that tip jar, you said. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, we did that, and um, and then when we moved the to town, we moved the to town a little bit different times, and um, and we wrote a lot together, but we did separate things. I was in another band um, called King Billy, and Charlie Worsham was also in that band, and um, with some other awesome great musicians, and then TJ did his own thing, and I'm gonna try to keep a, take a long story, make it a little bit short, and then um, when that ended, TJ and I were playing a bunch of shows together. Um, with, we didn't have anything in mind. We just wanted to play our songs. I think we didn't really because we we had played music together our whole lives. We didn't really notice kind of it wasn't obvious so it wasn't different. like brothers osborne moving to nashville it was like no, we, we moved down we kind of were doing our own thing i think john you know for me from my perspective john was when i moved down here it was two years after he did and he already had uh, had really made a name for himself as a guitar player and i kind of was like you know what i i want to make a name for myself regardless of you know i don't want to ride the coattails of my brother's work and so i really wanted to work as a songwriter and just be known as tj osborne not john osborne's brother and so we kind of worked on that for a while, and then I would go out and pl and perform, and and obviously I would you know I would have John play. Not only he's my brother, but he's a bad motherfucker. And so we'd go out and play, and people would comment all the time that man, there's like between the two of you, there's just this really cool thing that we didn't really pick up on. Yeah, we, it's almost like you guys know each other. Yeah, yeah. And so we were like, man, you know what? People keep saying this, and you know, and our mom has said it since we were five years old. I hate to admit that she's right, right. on this one, but she was. <laughs> she's, she's Loretta Lynch. Loretta Lynch right. was right about this. <laughs> and so, uh, but anyways, you know, we once we did that, honestly, it just all fell into place. I mean, within a within like a year's time, we had gotten signed, and um, there was still a lot of hard work ahead. But but it really, it just it kind of was off to the races. Yeah. So so did 
that first EP was that, that independent or was that with the label? That was that was with the label. That was really early on when we got signed and um and uh, we produced that ourselves and it was just you know you know when we were producing that record, country music didn't sound anything like it did, did now. I guess if you want to call it bro country or whatever that ch- that changed the format hadn't existed yet so we were like just writing these songs and playing it and then we're like man this sounds really cool really fresh um is that it's got shoot from the hip on it i love love that dude thanks man and a song called rum and 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 some other songs and one of our you know just once again the power of just people digging into music and loving just a good song um there's a song called uh, let me love the lonely out of you which is one of our most requested songs and it's on a on an ep that was never really released i mean you could buy it at on iTunes, well, I don't know if you can anymore. Can you still? Yeah, I think uh, I think so. Yeah, you can stream it now. I think it's streaming. Yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, and we it was self-produced, and you know, and we were pretty stoked about it. And the music kind of changed <laughs> so drastically in that time. It was it didn't really. It was so far out of what the format was digging. What, you, what, what year are you talking about then? This would have been like 2015, early 2015, or maybe 14, 2014, 14. Yeah, Isn't that 14, crazy so. to think about like the good old days of 2014? Oh, 14, totally. <laughs> yeah. And you know, another thing that's wild is it's like when all that was happening, I mean, there were people that were coming out at the same time we were, and it was like we were just like a damn gr- grandpa on the slow lane. I mean, people were hauling ass by us with success. And John and I, you know, we just really kind of just tried as hard as we could just to stay in our lane, literally, and keep doing our thing and doing our thing and plucking away at it and plucking away at it. And, you know, I, I think um, really mainly because we didn't know how to be anything else other than ourselves. And now that we're here, I'm like, fuck, you know, this is it's it's really it's 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 way it means so much more to me than than the money than anything, because we really it's, it's it is us. And I think that's why we're having success now is that we're just it's just real. It's yeah, I mean, I, I can't now. picture not knowing you guys. I can't picture a drum machine and electric bait. Yeah, it's just yeah. not who you guys are, you know. No. And, I, and I'll say on this on this record that we put out, it's just us playing instruments you know and and a lot of mistakes literally if you listen to our record there are mistakes there's a part where tj messes up the lyric of a song we just left it and there's like you know i would if it was left up to me i would go in and fix my solos because you just want to you know perfect i guess what you're doing but our producer jay was like nope leave the mistakes it's cool who's it that's jay, jay joyce and he, he did the new one too. and he did the new one yeah and he was like he was adamant about leaving certain mistakes in there he's like this is music let it be raw let it be imperfect everything right now is so polished to perfection and, and it's fine I mean, there's actually some great music happening right now in country music and um but leave it let it be all photograph i mean something's airbrushed to fucking bits it's not interesting you know but you can look at a really messed up 35 millimeter film picture and it just moves you and that was kind of the philosophy was to make it feel like keep the energy in there and make it sound human yeah i mean that's what I, that's you what, what I, lo- I love about Cobb is you know a great take we won't like fuck you bitch for example which we were talking about we used the wrong mic, so my acoustic bled into the vocal mic, so we right. couldn't mix it correctly. But I was like, so we need to re-record. He goes, no, it's fine. He's like, you can hear your vocals, you hear the guitar, it's fine. Right. Well, yeah. f- you know, that's a, that's a take. Also, it's interesting too. Uh, like your, uh, you know, we have your record on our bus, the you know, the vinyl, and it, which is funny that we have vinyl in there because we don't have a record player on our bus, which would be impossible to play records while you're doing on the <laughs> That's but, a, that's how you you know you've made it, yeah. But uh, we had you know the titles facing out and people would come on the bus all the time and it was like you didn't even it's just i think as an, every artist they want that title that is like interesting that makes you want to listen to the song and you know fuck you bitch and i mean you get on the list i mean every single one of them it's just like yeah i mean that's i mean what i was doing what obviously is just trying to get a reaction well you did i mean and it's funny that even people that come on the bus that are like 
you know, some of them know who you are and think it's still hilarious. And there's people that don't know who you are. And they'll come on and are like, who the fuck is this? Like, all these titles of these songs. And just that alone, you know, gets people's interest. Well, that was my th- thing, which didn't work. I was just going to be like, listen, I'm going to be fucking dirty and funny and shit. And I'm going to outsell all you motherfuckers. And then I, start see, then I start seeing numbers. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> yeah. How the well, fuck I mean, do you guys sell all this? Like <laughs> you know, you can, anyone can write like this. And that's the thing, too, is I get a lot of pe- I got people, you know, you know, pitch me. I'm so sick of that. shit. It's like, dude, I got a song for you. It's called Pussy Farts. And I'm like, no, my shit's like the songs are supposed to be like, that's not it's not like I don't know. what. It's not like just a bad word title yeah. it's like it's got to be a good song and it's got to like yeah be played well like that's not a pitch for a song well that's just, the thing yeah. like what I, I sometimes i have to watch myself because i'll be around people and i'll just be like you know at the top of my head i'll be like i like my pussy and boots and i'm like singing it out loud oh, it's i can't just get it out of my, it's a out great of my fucking head melody, great song yeah i think people don't understand i mean i spend so much time on the songs that people think they're just you know um but that's what it's supposed to. St- it sounds like you're just doing it, right? That's the idea of anything. It doesn't matter if it, if it's a song, you're singing a song, you're a comedian performing a, a bit, you're an actor. It's not supposed to sound like you're trying. Also, we it sounds. It's supposed to sound like it's just happening. We yeah, talked, I mean, we talked about this a little bit before we started the, the this interview, but we you know we think it's brilliant too that you put your video out on Pornhub, which is like really biz- like who the hell would do that? We, well, but the thing is, like, it's like all the decisions I make. People think it's like this. A lot of it's a bit, and I've got all these crazy ideas. I'm just, it was literally like, you know, we got a new video. Where do you, where do we premiere it? And they're like, Rolling Stone Country Club. I go, shut the fuck. I go, every website you named combined doesn't get what Pornhub gets in an hour. <laughs> Fi- right. I, go, I go, find the n- a number for Pornhub, talk to them. I go, they'll be psyched to get into the music business. And they were. It's just like, I can get more views. And it's just, it's, it's to me, just like, how do I get my music out there? It's not like this crazy, like, wouldn't it be crazy to be on porn? I go, what's the biggest si- wor- website in the world? Who w- who will talk to me? You know, CNN ain't going to premiere. But, <laughs> but, um, Imagine how many people were out there tugging it to that music video. Well, you, you know what's funny is that, uh, so the video came out, and about 2 o'clock, I was like, man, I thought it'd be bigger than this. And we talked to the porn up, and the porn up guy goes, dude, wait till 5 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, and at five o'clock it just shoots up in the because no, everyone gets links. Everyone's getting links to it at work, and they're just but they're not allowed to watch it. It's, well, most of the time, it's at their work, it's blocked. Another thing so, I saw on your uh, your Instagram, which has has been like my my recent obs- obsession, is Plies. I don't even know who that guy was. Oh yeah, he just it was awesome. He's just like he was. The shit he says is like, what the hell? Where's who the fuck is that guy? Yeah, he was talking about you know the p- a pussy contract. Is that what the one? Mm-hmm. He's like he's gonna start making women sign a pussy contract. Yeah, and if they break the <laughs> pussy contract, if they fall asleep and don't don't give them pussy, he's gonna take them. Yeah, the apparently, dude. My my thing is too like, if you're with a girl and she falls asleep, that's kind of on you. Yeah, <laughs> that's a damn good point. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. you should you should be the one signing the contract. How about being more interesting enough to keep me awake? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As if I'm in bed with plies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now I'm dying to hear the new record, but like, give me some like, what is the vibe? Just a little bit more in the in the yeah, the I, band. I would say, honestly, it's just like I think it's just really hard to identify, and I think in that way that's what we're really um, excited about because ultimately, um, you know, we want to be in our we want to be our own our own land, our own sound, and um, you know, hopefully, be one of those bands that people reference for when something sounds like something that it sounds like us, and so. 
we really just kind of did our thing. We didn't really think too much about it, to be honest with you. We just went in there and played music, did what we thought was fun. Did we yeah, and all the we bands we loved playing. growing up, it's just like, I would, you know, in your head, you like Zeppelin didn't probably overthink Zeppelin too. It's just no, like, not at all. Hopefully, they was just the second of ten record, you know, whatever it is. I, I mean, the process of recording the record is was um, it was down there. It was on the beach, but it wasn't. It's not a beach record by any stretch. It just was a way to get away. And you know, we'd stroll into the studio whenever we felt like it. Jay Joyce, the producer, was like, "Look, don't overthink it. Just come when you're ready. We'll just kind of hang out." Um, it wasn't like, you know, we got to get here at this time and we got to be done by this time and do lunch and then come back at this time and leave. It was very loose and very natural. And, and it was with your, with the, with, and it was the with our band, oh, yeah. it was with our touring band. And it was, it was at the end of a long run. We were pretty like warmed up as musicians and, and then we just went in there and jammed, you know, and we just ate food and we just, it was, it was just really, really relaxing. And then at the end of the night, um, when we were all partying, just getting stoned, we would just listen to music for like two hours. And Jay, the producer, would just sit behind his computer and just start jamming songs. So he was kind of like, through Art of Inception, kind of putting creative ideas in our head. And the next day we would show up full of concepts and ideas. And if you listen to the record as it stands right now, the first four songs um, bleed into each other. It goes for the first, you listen to the first four songs, and there's no pause or anything. Well, that's cool. I mean, it's cool when people do new shit in country, but what you're saying reminds me too of like, People, I don't think people spend enough time, you know, making a record should be fun. Yeah. And absolutely, I think, and absolutely. I have, I have a blast making my records, and, I'm, and the goal is for people to, you know, feed off, you know, listen to it, and they have a good time because yeah. I want them to have too, the, it's like people overthink it, and they, like, try to be cool, or they try not to be, you know, it's just, it just becomes, like, way too analytical, and it's like, fucking music. But man. if you're, trying to, if you're music, trying to make a hit, and you're really release. getting frustrated and pissed at yourself, like, this kid can play on the radio, it's not fun. Right, and, absolutely. And more than likely, you're going to not... Make something that's going to get played, and people are going to yeah. love. If it, I'll, if people just listen to your album and love it, that's all I give a shit about, you know. No, you're absolutely right. If you're making music you love and you're proud of, you don't really give a fuck if someone doesn't like it. It's like you know, if I went out and did some shit to try to pander and people didn't like it, it would I would lose sleep over that. But when you go out and make music that you're like, you know what, this is me. I'm proud of it. If you don't like it, that's just, I mean, that's just. Well, that's what because you know we did that duet on my record, fucking around, and I was going to change it to. We're going to do a, a version called Messing Around to have it. And I'm like, like, I can't do it, you know, because what if that people don't dig it? Then I did it yeah. for s somebody else. Yeah. It's like, I don't want I it. think Casey Musgrave said it best um, in, in a song of hers that she wrote. It was, I'd rather lose for what I am than win for what I ain't. Yeah. And I think that's, um, you know, and she abides by that, you know, 100%. And we're the same way. And, and you're the same way. It's like, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you, you, feel, it, you, feel, you feel it in your gut when you want to change something. And then you can't. Yeah, you I would. I would say she's a great example because wouldn't you think there's got? I, I don't know her crew and all that, but it seems like someone in her campus has probably told her, you know, a million times, "You got great songs. You're pretty. There's so many things you can do to be a fuck, you know, to to notch it out." She does great, but you know, to be fucking Shania level if you wanted to, and she's just like, "That's not who I am." I Absolutely, yeah. I mean, she gets it a lot, and she but she won't change. And the thing is, the people around her who have tried multiple times maybe to alter the course of her career and her creative process they have all failed so miserably that they're like all right fuck it you just do what you do and she's very successful at what she does and i guess the operative phrase is she's successful at what she does and she's not going to do anything else yeah and there's no and there ain't no another casey musgraves out there so it can't be and she's got you know if you want her you got to go see her you know exactly and yeah. that's how it should be for everybody by the way everyone wants to kind of do the same thing and it's like there's there are a lot of songs and a lot of artists where it like it doesn't matter 
who's singing it? I mean, it sounds the same. It's just kind of like it, it all kind of lives in the same lane. But if you can just do your thing, do something that only you could do. You know, I mean, that's like somebody pitching you songs. It's like, but you're trying to do what I, they're trying to do what you already do. You know, they're trying, you just do it. And that's the difference. You know, you could just do what you do. You don't have to try. You just do it. Yeah. I always say if, if I wrote a clean song and I liked it, it, it wouldn't be to try to get on the radio. Cause I ain't getting you on the radio anyway. It's like, if, it, if I didn't want to put the, I, I just, if there was a song that was killer and I wanted to. It didn't have didn't have the word pussy in it. I'd still fucking sing it. Right. It's just exactly. you know if it didn't need it in there, I'm not gonna throw it in there just to have it. Right. Which, although I've done that. It is great. Time. Yeah. It is great. <laughs> um, so what's the what's the plan right now? Just keep touring for yeah, a while. Well, we're actually gonna we're, we're gonna we're planning a few more dates for the rest of this year, uh, and hopefully here in the next. Um, well, soon we're hoping to release a new our a new single that would be the first single off of our new record, um, and the record probably won't come out until spring, and so we're going to kind of um, see. That's a weird thing, you we're know. Gonna stop touring until we, in, we start promoting that record. Independent versus you know, what you guys do. It seems people I know on major labels is just it takes forever. To the main thing out. is the main thing is just the. It's so rigid, you know. This well, they scheduling. want to put out, you know. That's the thing. That, that's the luxury you have by being banned from major, major, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, Best Buys and WalMarts and Targets is that they still want to sell tangible CDs. So they want to put out a successful single, wait till that's a hit, and then use that leverage to get these uh, retailers to to buy the CD and put it in their stores. Whereas independently, you can just put the music out, and not, and that's what fans want. I mean, that's the thing that, that we're moving to. Uh, 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 an, an era where streaming is becoming supreme, and in that, with that being said, those people will have you know a, a, an insatiable appetite for music, and they you just want to put out as much as you can all the time. So I think it's best to build your fan base. It may it may not be the best thing to put your record in a target, but yeah, I mean, uh, isn't I mean it, that won't happen with you? But there's there's, uh, there's some artists. I mean, in country, which is weird, they put out a single, the single will bomb, and they'll just shelve the record, right? Sometimes, yeah, we yeah, were lucky. That happened with us. We had a song off of our, our EP. We had a record recorded, and the first single didn't do well. And we um, then completely butchered that record and turned it into an EP and then released another well, single, which was Rum. And then Rum didn't do as well as they had hoped. And then we had to release even a third single, which was Stay a Little Longer. And so by the time we put our first single out to the time we actually put a record out was years and it's just that's just Chris bananas yeah. yeah we're literally going up playing shows and people would come up to us and be like where's your record and we'd have to explain to them that we don't have one and the look on their face of like how dumb it was that we were there performing and didn't even have any music for them to go home with and then it really is i'll be like i don't even have an argument for you i totally agree with you it's ridiculous yeah like i dig you guys where do i buy it it's like we'll see if this one sticks because. yeah well you'll have to wait until i have a huge hit and then yeah. it might end up in a walmart somewhere and you can get it there it's uh, just it's a just, it, yeah it's it's pr got to be frustrating i think but you know there's advantages to to um I guess those bigger labels too. You know, they, they got the resources and they. And another thing too is they want to have this big opening week. They want your record to be top ten, number one. And once again, no one gives a shit. No one cares. You know, it's like when Stapleton released his record, it wasn't even close to a top ten record. Probably, I don't know where it was, but I would just assume so, just knowing how it laid out. And then it still doesn't have any hits. And that record has sold more than 
anything that's going on right now. It's it was like the top ten most selling record it's, for like a it's, year. Yeah, it's pr- probably bigger than Adele or any of that shit. It's huge. Dude. Yeah, I mean, still probably sells like you know, I mean, it probably sells more in one week than most artists do in an entirety of of an album cycle. Oh, dude, I, I would trade everything I had probably for one week of his album sales. I'm sure. Um, yeah, it's just it's just strange. It's just um, I guess we're just playing on two different levels, you know, because my overhead's probably lower with being independent. But the risks are bigger, you know. I could, it's my, it's mine, so I could lose it all. Right. I guess the advantage of being on a big label is like, yeah, and you have to, at first you have to spend a lot of your own money. At a major label, you get tour support to kind of get you off your feet in touring. But um, but you know, for you, it's like you just gotta, you just gotta pay for it. Yeah, my tour support was, you know, maxing out my credit cards, hoping I make it back. You know, right. But. You know, again, too, it's like what you were saying about your records, like, but it's more, you appreciate it more when it does w- well, you know, mm-hmm. um, instead of, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a major label out there who wants to sign me. Call me up. <laughs> Two million If I advanced. had a label, I'd sign yeah. you. Thanks, dude. <laughs> uh, Osborne, OB Records. OB Rec. OB Records. OBR, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, and I don't know why. I just, I was. I'll, I'll, we'll end the interview with this. I was in my car the other day, and I had a Br- Brothers Osborne pick just sitting in the passenger seat. Yeah, we're just we're you must, trading now. You must we have get, just handed it everywhere. to me at some point. Yeah. It fell out of my pocket. Yeah, it was or like one of those like quarters that get stuck to your ass. You don't really know where it came from. <laughs> Who know, Yeah, maybe maybe I shoved it up my butt, and it just kind of came <laughs> Maybe we shoved it up your butt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I remember you shoving shit up my ass that night, but I don't remember a pick going in. Yeah, you never know. They're like capos. You everything just end up. Good. You remember everything being a lot larger than a pick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess it, you know what? It felt like a knife at the time, but. That's because you should, we put it in sideways. Yeah. That's yeah. A, if you put it in vertically, you don't even know it's yeah, there. Yeah, I think we need to end the podcast with that, which is <laughs> from, from now on, quit shoving those picks in sideways, man. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for doing this, guys. Yeah. And I'm psyched to hear the new record. Give it to me early so I can brag to my yes, friends. Yes, sir. It's the We Don't Walk Junior Podcast. It's the We Don't Walk Junior Podcast. Everybody else sucks, man. I am the best. It's the We Don't Walk Junior Podcast. Anyway, that was my uh, talk with Brothers Osborne. I thought it was a good one. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Check me out on tour. Buy my record. Buy Old Wheeler, the new one. Buy the first one. See you fuckers later. <laughs>